Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. Thank you so much for the privilege. Thank you, Anthony, uh, for allowing me to share the pulpit with you. Uh, Really a privilege to be able to be here and carry on in the series on the Lord's Prayer. So, folk, we often misunderstand who God is and, uh, you know, who we think He is. Um, And so it reminds me of um, this uh, man who appeared at the pearly gates seeking uh, admission And the gatekeeper said, there's a test that had to be passed before continuing to paradise and that the test consisted of three questions. The man said, go ahead, ask the questions. Okay, said the angel, for the first question, tell me which two days of the week begin with the letter T. That's easy, said the man for admission, today and tomorrow. Uh, hmm, said the angel, well, I can't argue with that, not for the second question. Now for the second question, tell me how many seconds there are in a year. Man said, there are 12 seconds in a year. 12, asked the angel, how do you figure that? Well, there's January the 2nd, February the 2nd, March the 2nd. Okay, mused the angel, for the third question, tell me God's first name. God's first name (laughs) is Andy. Goodness gracious. Oh, what makes you say that, asked the angel. The candidate replied, it's right there in the song. Andy walks with me, Andy talks with me, and tells me I'm his own. Sorry about that. Listen. (laughs) In in the series uh, on the model prayer of Jesus, we, we see in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 8, how not to pray. Remember, Jesus uh, says, don't be like those hypocrites who stand up and who babble, uh, who are actually trying to impress other people in how they say things. They're actually trying to give information, and uh, you know they, they're just rattling off stuff uh, because there's no meaning behind uh, what they're saying, maybe because they don't know who they're praying to. But then in verses 9 to 13, Jesus tells us how to pray. And uh, last week, Anthony started off and spoke about our Father in heaven, our Father community, that we are connected to one another in community because it is our Father, our Father. And so let's uh, read the Lord's Prayer together uh, from uh, verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so you begin to see uh, that, that Jesus wants something to happen. He, and you'll realize that it's the only time in the Bible where the disciples come to Jesus 
And they don't ask him, Lord, teach us how to preach. It's the only time they ask Jesus uh, to teach them how to pray. And so that is an amazing model prayer for you and for me. Because there is so much in a name. There is so much uh, that we need to understand when it comes to the name. And here is this model prayer that Jesus wants to teach them and how to put it into practice. Now, folks, let me uh, stop there for a second and just say that, that name is very important uh, when we look at prayer in the context of the names of God in the Bible. So, for example, in Psalm chapter 9, verse 10, we read, Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Let me just spend a couple of seconds on that. For those who know you, the word know there is the word yada, which means those who observe you, those who recognize you, those who declare your name, those who are diligent in respecting you. In other words, those who know you. Uh, I think what Paul would say in the New Testament is um, there's two words for know, gnosis, but Paul uses another word, epignosis. He puts a preposition behind uh, or in front of that word, no. So gnosis means to know. But epignosis means to know and understand deeply. And so here, we, uh, the, the, the psalmist says, those who know and understand God deeply, those who know your name your position is what that word name means. Your character, because your name goes before you. If I were to put a name out there uh, without offending anybody, you know, uh, I, I, if I were to put the name Hitler out there, you know, what connotation do you have for Hitler? If I were to put the name uh, Mussolini out there, what would the connotation? Well, this name that the psalmist is talking about says something extremely significant because he has a reputation, this name. So those who know your name trust in you. They put their confidence in you. They are sure of you. And in fact, they hope in you. And the word hope has got this connotation of, of a rope being tied together. Those who trust and hope in you are tied together with you. And that's why they know you. Know what? That you, Lord, and the word Lord there, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, not only capital O, but all four letters of capitals translated from the Hebrew word Yahweh, which uh, is actually Yahweh. Those who know you intimately, know who you are, they are able to trust you. Why? Because you've never forsaken those who seek you. The word seek there, the rush, means to follow, to frequent, to ask, and to inquire. So God's got this reputation. That's his name. He's got a reputation, and he's a, it is a very good one at that. And that's important to understand, because when we understand who God is, we're able to seek him. As we seek him, we get to know him. As we get to know him, we trust him. As we get to trust him, we're able to be bold for him for the purpose of glorifying his name. And so here as we know who Jesus Christ is and our new lives in Christ, there is this new vision and this new majesty on who God is. And so when, when Jesus says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, we have this amazing model of prayer. And he wants us to live out that model of prayer. And so what I want to cover today is what is in this name, 
What does this uh, name mean when Jesus asks us to halo the name, but also how to put it into practice in our day and age? And so, let me try that one more time. There we go. Too many. So, what's in a name? Well, hallowed be your name. I think, firstly, just a couple of points there, that in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, God says to Moses, I am who I am. In other words, God is from all eternity. If you were to take uh, those words, I am who I am, from Exodus 3, 14, you'll understand the context where, where God tells Moses, Moses, go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses says, uh, who do I say sent me? Because Pharaoh is quite vicious. Well, tell Pharaoh, I am sent you. If you were to translate that uh, from the Hebrew uh, to the English, it's actually I, I am. I, I am. The Greek, ero imir. Remember the seven I ams that John speaks about. I, I am. No wonder we understand I, I am, way, truth, life. Because there's no other way. There's no other avenues that lead to God. Jesus is way. Jesus is truth. Jesus is life. And so we begin to see this awesome name that God is from all eternity. But secondly, we also see that, that uh, his sovereign freedom uh, in Exodus chapter 33, verse 19. Again, uh, God saying to Moses, And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name. The Lord is in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Why? Because God is a sovereign God. He has freedom. And so his choices are made on the basis that he is a God of infinite wisdom. And so I have the privilege, if you know Jesus, you have the privilege of knowing who he is. And he has allowed himself to be revealed to us. Because he is a sovereign God, he has a sovereign free will and sovereign choice to come and reveal who he wants to reveal himself to. But thirdly... He's also a God that is omnipotent. That means all-powerful. And, and we pick that up in, in Exodus chapter 6, verse 3. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. God Almighty. But by my name and the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. But I am omnipotent, and I can reveal who I am to who I wish. And it's such a privilege to know that God has revealed himself to you, and he revealed himself to me. And we can call him our Father. Wow, what an awesome thing that is. That's all because of his name. Also, we see uh, that he's a God of mercy and, and love in Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7, where it says, I appear to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, and he wants to make himself known to the people. But in Revelation chapter 21, verse 6, he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Isn't that amazing? So if I try to look up what's this kind of Alpha and Omega, obviously it's the Greek uh, Alpha, the, the first letter, Omega, the last letter of the Greek alphabet. But I, lo I thought, let me um, you know, look it up in, in the original. And Revelation chapter 21 verse 6 says, 
Ero imi, and it's just got the little letter alpha. I, I am alpha. In other words, the first letter, it doesn't say A-L-P-H-A, you know, translated into the Greek. I'm alpha. I am omega, just the O, or capital O, the omega. And so that's what he is. He is the beginning, he's the end, and everything in between they would have understood him to be. And so one day, we will stand before the creator of the universe, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, and we will stand before him as the father of life for you and for me, or the father of death for those who don't know him. He, his name is Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. But also, his name is holy. In Isaiah 57, 15, we read that uh, I live in a high holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lonely and revive the heart of the contrite. You see, although God is transcendent way out there, he is also imminent in your heart and in my heart. He reigns if we understand who he is in our lives. He's not like what Bette Midler sang, uh, from a distance God is watching us. You know, he created us and then he abandoned us, and I can prove that to you, look, COVID and this and that. No, he is intricately involved in our lives every moment of the day if we seek him because of who he is. But more beautiful than that is that he sent his son Jesus to come and tabernacle among us. John chapter 1 verse 14. You know, he never left, stayed in his place of glory, but he came and dwelt among us. He became flesh like you and I and dwelt among us here on this earth. And finally, he's a jealous God. He's a jealous God. Uh, we read that in, in Exodus uh, chapter 34, verse 14. Now, the word jealous there has got to do more with zeal rather than jealousy. I'm jealous, and so I'll lock you in, in the house and never allow you to be seen by anybody or for you to be let out to see anybody because I will control you. No, God is a zealous God and doesn't want to share our love for him with any other God. Why? Because he loves us. Because he, he desires our time to be with him because of who he is. In Exodus 34, 14, we read, Do not worship any other God, for the Lord, Yahweh, again, L-O-R-D, capitals, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. He longs for you and for me. I'm blown away with uh, that, that song, Reckless Love. I won't sing it because I respect you too much. Overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you gave yourself away. Overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. He comes after each and every one of us. I cannot fathom that, how a God who doesn't need to care about me is so faithful that he knocks walls down to come and get me so he could reveal himself to me. And when I go off the straight and narrow, he comes and he says, listen, I long for you. He leaves the 99 to come and look after you and me, the reckless love of God. It's got to be reckless. 
It's because we are, are not as faithful as the true and living God. Remember in Luke chapter 15, the parable of the, of the lost son, of that prodigal son who uh, wishes his father dead, and his father uh, gives him half his inheritance, and he goes off and he squanders it. And the father cannot be happy. He cannot be happy with, I mean, imagine your son uh, uh, abandons who you are and wishes you dead. How can a meal go down? You know, how can you stop thinking about this? And I'm sure as that man is having a little bit of something before his meal to try and comfort himself, (laughs) you know, he sees somebody in the distance and it looks like his son. And he goes and as he looks says, hey, that looks like somebody I know. Let me have another swig of this because this is too heavy for me. As he sees this guy turn in, he doesn't send one of his servants out. He looks, and he looks again. And before his son can come too close, he pulls out that big shotgun and he says, if you stand on my property, I will shoot you. You're no longer my son. They had shotguns those days. No. What does he do? He puts his cloak and his robe under his arm and he runs after his son. And he goes and he's, the Bible says he creates a dravma. The other servants are going, hey, look what the boss is doing. Slow motion. Dun, 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 dun. You know, like, you kind of go, hey, what's going on? And he goes after his son and he throws himself onto his son and he starts kissing him this side and that side. The reckless love of God, that parable uh, shows us how amazing the father is who welcomes his son back. But it's more than that. He says to him, listen, kill the fatted calf. Give him a new robe. Give him new sandals. Son, take my ring Take half the possessions again. You've come home. And I'm delighted that you've come home. All is forgiven. That's the reckless love of God. That's who God is. The power that is in a name. So, folk, when I uh, read the Lord's Prayer and have been praying uh, the Lord's Prayer the last 54 years of my life, but only for the first time have I realized uh, that When Jesus taught the disciples that, when Jesus teaches you and I about his name, it's a profound thought to realize that it's not a petition or a request where he says, make my name hallowed or hallow be thy name, Father. It's actually a declaration. It's a wish. It's a prayer of Jesus that you and I will declare the name of Jesus. And the reason I say that is because as I looked at that particular word, haloed, haloed in Matthew 6, 9, I began to, to uh, analyze that word, and it actually means, uh, it's a verb firstly, it's a verb, but also it is in the aorist tense, which means it, there's no completion or no ending. So, you know, like sometimes you say, pack the chair away. Well, we pack the chairs away. That job has been completed. But in this particular instance, there is no beginning, there is no end to what Jesus is praying. And so we don't stop praying after the month of prayer. Absolutely not. But it becomes part of our lifestyle. But also, it's passive. 
in the sense that the subject is being acted upon. And the subject here is the name of God. The name of God. But then it's imperative. And that fancy word imperative basically means it's a command to perform. It's an action that needs to be taken. And that is taken by you and by me, basically saying that we are to make the name of God holy. That's important. Now, why would Jesus say that, that he, he, you know, when he knows all these things? Well, because uh, prayer teaches us uh, not to, to manipulate the hand of God, but it certainly teaches us to line up our thoughts and, and ideas with God's thoughts and ideas. You see, our nature, your nature and my nature, is not uh, always for God. You know, all we need to do to stop praying is nothing. By nature, we stop praying because that's who we are. When we are desperate, then we turn to him. But if we don't discipline ourselves and we don't allow his name to be holy, then it's going to be a problem. And so what what Jesus is praying here is that you and I begin to make the name of Jesus holy. Not that his name is haloed, but you realize it. And when you realize it, you put it into action and you begin to make his name holy. In other words, our prayers and our petitions line up with God's desires, with God's pleasures. Let me say up front that his pleasure is to see uh, his name to be glorified even to the ends of the earth. And so important that we understand uh, what it means uh, to make his name holy. And the word uh, holy there, again, uh, means uh, to separate from profane things and dedicate to God. In other words, to purify his name. Why? Because that's who he is. And as we uh, lift his name up, you know, we make his name famous here and even to the ends of the earth. And so, folk, there are a lot of us who, who might say, well, you know, he's my mate. Well, he is my mate, but obviously I revere him. So he's not my mate, how five, God, but he is my father. And because he is my father, I respect him in that way. So we don't take it too lightly. And so what does it mean to make the name of God holy? What does it mean to halo his name? Well, it means to believe and trust him, to believe and trust him. You know, we, we read uh, in Isaiah chapter 8, verses 12 and 13, uh, where Isaiah warns us, Do not call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear. Uh, do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one who we are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. And so we trust in him, but we also trust in his word. Now, how do we trust in his word? Well, we've got to open it and read it and familiarize ourselves with his word. And so that's important to understand, that we trust him uh, and believe in him because he is God. But also, uh, we halo his name, but not fearing what, what uh, you know, other human beings can bring against us. Now, I'm not thinking that we are to be nasty and rude and, and disrespectful, but we fear God more than we fear other human beings. Why? Because God is God. And practically, uh, we put his name first. But then also, we halo his name uh, when we keep his commandments. 
You know, we read that. So uh, you shall keep my commandments and do them. Do them. I am the Lord, and you shall not profane my holy name. But I will halo, uh, be haloed among the people of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You know, we can walk around and say, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Look, I've got a tattoo of Jesus' name on you know, my arm. In fact, on this arm, I've got a picture of a cross. No. People would know that we are men and women of God, followers of Jesus, because of who He is and the impact that He has in our lives. That He is a holy God, and they will see it through the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The fruit, singular, of the Spirit we are to all have. And so we halo His name by keeping His commandments. Why? Because He's a holy God. But fourthly, we glorify His name. We glorify His name. Uh, how do we do that? Well, we make His name famous. Not by just uh, you know, saying, Lord, your name is haloed. When we do say that, we are actually saying, because you're haloed, Lord, we keep your commandments. We obey you, and we glorify your name. And you know, the word glorify uh, is the word doxa in Greek. To doxazo his name. It means to make the name of Jesus, to make the names of God that we spoke about and who he is, his character, his personality, to make his name famous throughout the world. To glorify his name because of who he is. He is a holy God. And then in closing, I just want us to think about how we can put his name into practice. How do we live it out? What are some practical ways? Well, I think, firstly, we need to understand that we need to make uh, God's heartbeat a priority. And what is God's heartbeat? Well, He loves the nations of the world. To lift up our eyes and see that the fields are white unto harvest. To, to see how we can participate in making the name of Jesus famous. That he, he loves more than just you and me. He loves people from every tribe, kindred, and nation. He wants to bring them in to his kingdom. But also that when I pray this prayer to make his name famous, it should be that I pray that priority into a reality. I pray it into a reality. If we at Lakeside want people to say yes to Jesus, then we are to make sure in our own lives that we are prayer warriors that we are a praying church, that we are a praying people. And it's more than when we leave this building. It's more than when we leave the car park. It becomes part of our lives. Practical, living out the Lord's prayer. That, we, we, the, that the hallmark of this church is that the name of Jesus is being made famous in this building in our lives, and even to the ends of the earth. And we need to desire this prayer to be answered in our own lives, in our own lives, that we lift up His name. And folk, how do we do that? Well, Anthony spoke about all the different ways, the prayer walk, uh, the praise coming up this week, uh, you know, to participate in prayer meetings, but also to participate in, in practical ways in our own lives, to stop and pray, to stop and pray, but also 
to, you know, when we have little meetings together, but, you know, that are related to lakeside activities, to maybe take 10% as a discipline and spend that 10% in prayer. It's amazing how we can have so much fun for three hours, but if we know that we have to pray the last bit of time, 10% of the time in prayer, we'll keep our meeting short, won't we? And we'll get to the point. Lord, direct us, and we get to the point. So we have to pray. So that is a practical suggestion. But also to come to the activities, as we mentioned. And then I want to say, when do we start doing that? Let's start doing it now. Why? Because delay is decay. If we don't say, well, I'm going to start doing it now, then we're just going to carry on doing what we want to do. And we're going to get into trouble because we'll forget about it after uh, the month of August when it's the month of prayer. Well, let me end off by reading your story. Story is about a chair. A man's daughter had asked the local minister to come and pray with her, with her father, sorry. When the minister arrived, he found the man laying in bed with his head propped up on two pillows. An empty chair sat behind his bed. The minister assumed that the old fellow had been informed of his visit. I guess you were expecting me, he said. No, who are you? said the father. The minister told him his name and then remarked, I saw the empty chair and I figured you knew I was going to show up. Oh, yeah, the chair, <laughs> said the bedroom man. You would mind closing the door, please? Puzzled, the minister shut the door. I've never told anyone this, not even my daughter, said the man. But all of my life, I've never known how to pray. At church, I used to hear the pastor talk about prayer. But it went right over my head. I abandoned any attempt at prayer till one day four years ago, my friend told me that prayer is just like having a conversation with Jesus. And I'd like to add, because I know who he is, I know his name. He told me to sit down and place an empty chair in front of you. In faith, in faith, you see Jesus on the chair. It's not spooky because he promised, uh, I will be with you always. Uh, then just speak to him. So I tried it and I've liked it so much that I do it a couple of hours every day. I'm careful though. If my daughter saw me talking to an empty chair, she'd either have a nervous breakdown or get me locked up. The minister was deeply moved by the story and encouraged the old man to continue on the journey. Then he prayed with him and returned to the church. Two nights later, the, the daughter called to tell the minister that her dad had died that afternoon. Did he die in peace? asked the minister. Yes, at two o'clock, he called me over his, to his bedside, told me he loved me and kissed me on the cheek. When I got back from the store an hour later, I found he had passed away. But there was something strange about his death. Apparently, just before Dad died, he leaned over and rested his head on the chair beside the bed. What do you make of that? The minister wiped a tear from his eye and said, I wish we could all go like that. I want to suggest to you way before the song was created, that man knew about the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. That our Father, who is in heaven, is a holy God, and that He can trust Him.
that uh, his love is reckless because he chases me down. He, he breaks every wall and every barrier to come and reveal himself to you and to me. He fights until he finds us. In fact, he leaves the 99. We could never earn it. We certainly don't deserve it. Still, he gives himself to you and to me. The reckless love of God, never ending. Never ending. As we begin to see that the, the, the true and living God is an awesome God who longs to spend time with you and with me. He's a jealous God that longs to be with us. And he longs for us to be with him. So I encourage you, participate in prayer, not only this month, but make it part of your life. Because the true and living God loves us more than we can ever think or imagine. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you teach us to pray, that you long to be with us, that you're a loving God who desires our presence. Lord, reveal more and more of who you are to us. And may we discipline ourselves, Lord, to put that verb into action to make your name famous throughout the world. Help us to do that, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.